Welcome to the Defending Freedom Podcast. My name is Kenya Alou. I'm a mother, wife, and freedom-loving American. If you believe America is worth fighting for, you've arrived at the right place. I believe America's best years are ahead of us, and that's why this podcast was built for you. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode two. I have a very special guest with us today. This is Christine Malloy. I actually met Christine through a homeschool co-op we were doing together, and I have just watched her rise up as a lioness defending the kids of our area, and I wanted to bring her on today because of what we have been seeing in the schools. We've been seeing wokeism in the schools. We've been seeing shutdowns, mandates. Um, We've been seeing pornography in our libraries. We have seen so many things. And this is a woman who used to be in corporate America, but she became a stay-at-home mom uh, after she had her second child. And she has been very involved in the schools as far as an an active parent. Um, I'm going to let her share more about that. But I have watched her just dominate this area of calling these people out and and holding them accountable and i would love christine just give you give a little bit of of your background i'm going to go ahead and let you take it over okay well thank you kenya um you know like you said i come from corporate america transitioned to being a stay-at-home mom and something i honestly never thought I would do, but the Lord put it on my heart, and um, I've been in this role for coming up on 11 years now, and never looked back. I mean, it's just where I'm meant to be, and I am highly involved in the schools. I volunteer. When the kids were in elementary school, I served on the PTA board. I've been uh, uh, vice president of the PTA, membership, treasurer, uh, spirit wear, spirit nights. I've uh, done the gamut there, and um just recently just started noticing a shift in our district overall and just things I was um, hearing coming out of our schools and and just became concerned and started asking some questions and kind of joined some like-minded parents and um, just kind of started digging in a little bit to see um, what the root of the issues are. So back in, um, gosh, when, when was it? It feels like it was forever ago, but I guess it was only back in like, May or was that when the election was the 20? Yes. Yeah. So school board election. So Keller ISD had a woman running whose kids did not go to Keller ISD. They were at Westlake Academy, um, but she was a real big proponent for CRT and she was vocal about bringing that into the school. Am I right? Um, yes ultimately she was she spun it as she didn't know what crt was but when you looked at all of her and um, you know social media and things that she shared that was um, not the case well let's let's just break that down for a second for the people who maybe don't know what crt is we're talking about critical race theory and now it's even being morphed into what they just call critical theory And then they're going a step further and saying they don't have critical race theory in the schools or in our public education. But that's just because it doesn't have the label critical race theory. But what they are still doing is they are dividing our children based on their skin color. They are still telling kids that they are a certain way or they have certain advantages or certain disadvantages because of the melanin in their skin. Correct. Yes. And, um, 
you know, honestly, the whole CRT came on my radar February of 2021. My son's high school premiered a video on morning announcements. So it broadcasted to the entire school and they watched it like in their rooms, you know, via like satellite TV and all that stuff. And it um, opened up with a quote from, I believe it was Angela Davis, who's a known Marxist. And the quote said, it is not enough to be um, non-racist. You must be anti-racist. Let's take a look at what that looks like. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're telling me that you have a freshman in high school. At the time, this was his freshman year. Real quick, my son is 13. He Uh goes to Trinity Prep. And he is, like, we have these conversations because we've had to have these types of conversations because... I listen to a lot of, you know, talk radio and podcasts, and I listen to a lot of them in front of my kids as long as they're somewhat appropriate. And um, so, you know, he hears, like, about all this stuff. And if my son were in the public schools and sitting in that classroom and that video played, he might have fallen out of his chair because, because he knows. But look at all the kids whose parents don't have these conversations because they're just living life and they're not, maybe their parents aren't interested in this stuff or whatever, um, and they don't know, and you're a white kid and you're sitting there and you're being told yeah. these things. Oh, it, gets, you know, it gets worse. Okay, um, I'll let you go. Yeah, so it opens up with the quote, and then it's like, let's take a look at what that looks like. And it's little um, graphic. And it goes in and starts talking about um, how it's not enough to be non-racist. You must be anti-racism. What would anti-racism look like? Basically, speaking out when you see inequalities, um, which, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm a proponent of. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. When you see injustice, you should call it what it is. Absolutely. You know? that but then it took it a step further about like showing like um marching with blm and wow uh no (laughs) and then they show a graphic where it's like a scale right and it talks about um privilege versus non-privilege wow and you have the white children up on the scale oh my gosh uh, oh yeah it's it's i my my mouth dropped when I saw this and I just thought okay you just essentially told every white child in that school or even you know like you know really every child they call racist I mean regardless of color because it it, you know it honed in on if you're not doing these things which in their mind is the things you should be doing then you're a racist right so I, I personally you know have black friends, black family, and none of them support BLM. So to, according to this video, they're racist because they weren't supporting BLM, right? So I just really, that was an eye-opener for me, and that's really, honestly, when I just started paying more and more attention to um, what was being fed to our children, right? And that term, and, you know, just in the terms of political propaganda with um, the COVID situation, there was a lot coming out of high school where it's like about, you know, the mask, right? Oh, be kind, mask up. You know, there's all the pressure being put on our um, children regarding that. And, And you had people on campus, like, 
teachers that would like basically tell kids to bully other kids that might not, you know, be wearing their mask up to their eyeballs or, you know, like just things like that capturing my um, attention. Yeah. Okay. Um, Well, that video would have sent me into a rampage and I would have been right where you were. uh, Right. Walking and, they did, and, so, and how the district handled that, they ultimately, at first, they put the video, which I found out, like, they put the video to private, which meant they still could access it on campus, but we, the parents, couldn't see it. And I <laughs> that, okay, I'm like, so, it's come to my attention, you know, that this happened. Then the video was completely taken down. But there was never a retraction. There was never anything stating to the, you know, student population this video never should have been shown. You know, we're sorry. There was like wow, no, nothing. Yeah. So that, in essence, right there is critical race theory being just forced down the throats of every single student sitting in announcements. Right. And the irony is, like, most of the stuff I'm finding, you know, I, I you know, my children haven't directly been impacted about but the difference is, is no kid should be exposed to this kind of thing. So I am not one of those parents that's just all about my kid. And as long as my kid's not affected, then I'm fine. I'm not going to say anything. I mean, I truly have a heart for all the children. Like these these kids don't need to be exposed to um, teachers and administrators' personal political beliefs. I completely agree with you. And as you know, my kids do not go to the public school system. I have spoken at Fort Worth school board meetings against critical race theory. I have spoken up against masking them. I have, I have, I'm the same as you. The way I see it is they may not be my kids, but they're kids in my neighborhood. They're kids that we go to church with. They're kids that my kids are friends with, that they play sports with, all the things. And we have to we have to be the advocate for them because I'm sorry, but some parents are just too asleep to be the advocate for them. Well, and I would even say some parents are just too asleep. I mean, I know I I, I honestly I know now know way more than I probably ever wanted to know if I'm being truthful. But I know, and now I can't turn a blind eye because I know. But um, I know there's a lot of parents. I mean, just the reality is. They're working, you know, you have two parents are working, they're doing the best job they can. And, you know, and, and so I I feel like I've been given the gift of time in some sense. Um, even though being a stay at home mom is, (laughs) you know, I think sometimes going back to work would be a gift, but, um, you know, you know what I mean? Like, but, um, but I, you know, so I don't want to like say, oh, like, uh, you know, everybody's asleep or whatever. I just think that, um, we all, well, I think we, you know, we'll eventually get there. It's just some people got woke up a little faster than others. And I think it's just, you know, most parents at the end of the day, I mean, are doing a bang up job and, you know, giving us their all. And it's a lot. There's a lot of information coming our way at a very rapid pace. It is a lot. And also, I think about, you're right. We have parents working, parents trying to make a living for their families and getting the kids to all the activities and doing all the things who has time to read every book their kids are sent home with right i don't i don't have time and and i don't even have i mean it's just we should not have to 
babysit. Like we send our kids to school for reading, writing, and arithmetic. We send our congressmen and our senators and our city council members, we send them for a purpose. And why are we having to babysit everybody to make sure that they're not overstepping and to make sure that they're doing their job? And then that's a full-time job. Right. Absolutely. This has, I mean, for me, what I've been walking through the past couple months has become a full-time job. You are correct. Well, I thank you for one, for being the person who you do have, you know, the ability to be there and you could be doing a million other things with your time, but you've chosen to sacrifice and put your time here. And I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. I'm trying. (laughs) (laughs) I want to talk a little bit about some stuff I've seen about some content that some of the kids have been exposed to um, in our libraries, in the public schools. And this is not just in Keller ISD. I have seen parents rise up all over the country in school board meetings against this type of stuff. But talk to me a little bit about what is going on with the uh, pornographic material that's being recommended for even as young as second graders sorry second graders sixth graders yeah yeah um it's it's mind-boggling actually um i think it just shows that there is um definitely a chink in the armor somewhere i i I take it to i'm a very process oriented person i take it to there's obviously a lack of checks and balances and there must be a lot of freedom that is given to its librarians or um, curriculum directors or whoever is ordering books and um, maintaining what goes into our libraries. Um, I, I mean, it, it was shocking when we started, you know, when we got the first excerpt from the book, the book that kind of um, exploded was Gender Queer. And I want to go on record now and say, this, this, you know, this is not a LGBTQ, how do you say it, Kenya? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they keep adding letters, so it just gets more and more confusing. LGBTQ plus. LGBTQ. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yes, exactly. It's very confusing. Yes, this is what I want to say. This is not a LGBTQ issue, okay? Um, this is not a censorship issue. This is simply comes down to keep pornographic material out of our schools issue. <laughs> like, you know, I, for one, have always been a lifelong reader. I read many things that I probably had no business reading at the age I was reading them. However, I did not access them from my school library. Exactly. (laughs) You know, so that's where um, the difference comes in. And I know, you know, there's people that are trying to spin this into, uh, it's just, you know, you're homophobic or, Mm -mm. you know, this is just a problem. And I mean, we even had a guy on a news clip I saw last night in our district defending the book, saying that is in important um, for LGBTQ students to be able to access this content to help them. Oh my gosh. It's kind of like, when is pornography helpful to a child? I I just Mm -mm. can't even wrap my head around that one. But um, so yeah, so it's just, 
it's all very, very concerning. And I also, you know, you have to know what people need to understand. When this happened and this book came out and we found out that this book in our high school, which actually was in my child's high school, you know, the district within 24 hours released an issue, a statement saying, you know, one singular book in one singular school. Okay. Which is mm-hmm. false. I mm-hmm. think our list is up to like 90 now. Mm-hmm. Okay. And mm-hmm. um, so that right there I took issue with. And I was like, so it's okay because it's just one book in one school. Like, so what, what's the cutoff number? What if, you know, immediately I started thinking, okay, so one book's okay. Well, what if it's five books? What if it's 20 books? And like I said, now we're already up to 90 on our list. You know? Right. It's, it's like, it's like, oh, so one, only one student was raped in the bathroom. I mean, it was just what? one. <laughs> yeah. I, I was kind of um, floored by that statement and I don't know if it was just kind of rushed on their part to try to you know contain things um then they issued a statement on the Friday so this happened like on a Tuesday the one book one school came out on Wednesday then Friday we kind of got more of a lengthy statement where they said you know we're reviewing our book process and I you know in my mind I was just like well you clearly you don't have a book process because if you did this wouldn't have ever been in right right and then so then also in the email, they referenced the First Amendment and that students' <gasps> rights were protected. Oh, yes. <laughs> were protected under the First Amendment. And like I said, I go wow. back to I'm a pretty logical kind of person. And I'm like, okay, I'm really baffled how um, a student's rights to pornography would be protected under the First Amendment when it is a felony to distribute pornographic material to minors. Right. doesn't add up. Like, I just cannot believe they tried to claim First Amendment protection for this, you know? So that was kind of um, concerning as well. Right. Um, I, I know there's, they are now working towards, you know, new processes in place, which I'm thankful for. But I just asked the question, in this day and age, why weren't these processes in place already? Where were the checks and balances? Like, well, at what point, you, you know that years and years and years ago when the public schools first started, they they knew what the books were that were in the libraries. At what point did they just loosen everything and just accept all these books? And yeah. I, I want to read a statement made by the school board president when it, everything went viral on social media and somebody commented about, you know, all the beautiful literature that's available yeah. to enrich the mind and human spirit. This is what is offered for our youth to read. KISD should be ashamed. And then the school board president, Ruthie Keys, who I actually voted for because we basically had, you know, right. two, two options. options. <laughs> yeah. um, she says, this was one of about 589,000 books in the district. It was immediately removed. And the only reason hundreds of parents saw it is because people started distributing out on social media. Those people, those are the people who, that should be ashamed for distributing I wish people would want to be a part of the solution and ask what they can do to help instead of spreading hate and division. I'm sorry, um, but that sounds very much like what we just saw happen in Virginia and why Glenn Youngkin won. Glenn Youngkin defeated Democrat Terry McAuliffe, who was the incumbent governor of Virginia, 
because, and I don't, don't think this is the only reason, but Terry McAuliffe took the position that parents needed to butt out and stay out of it. And that statement by Ruthie Keys sounds very much like, stay out of it. Parents have no business knowing what's in our what's in our books. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah, I was, when I saw that statement, um, I just thought, wow, we're still spitting the one book, one school narrative first. But then, honestly, um, coming as being the person that first shared the information to social media, <laughs> um, I felt no shame whatsoever and um I addressed that and let um Miss Keys know that I will never be ashamed of bringing evil to the light to the light that's right and that's how and, I see it too yes absolutely and I you know most parents did that really um she has paid dearly for that comment um I think she <laughs> should have gone back and read that and as far as being part of the solution I mean I feel like I'm very much part of the solution because to be a part of the solution the first step in finding a solution is admitting we have a problem and Mm -hmm. for whatever reason I think our our board or the leadership of our school district doesn't really want to admit that we have a problem (laughs) and um you know I, I don't know how you solve something without first admitting there's a problem Right. You can't. You can't. Absolutely. And also, you know, they want to claim that, oh, we didn't come to them. So, yes, I I have a Facebook group that I am admin of, um, KISD Informed. I did share there first. Then I sent an email to Westfall, Amanda Bigby, KISD Legal Counsel, and every member of the school board. And so I did take it to them that's how they knew about the book rather maybe somebody clipped it from when I shared on KSD and got to them first but mm, odds are not um so you know like I I I didn't have to do that that's what I would say to Ruthie right I could have taken this a very different direction right right because it's illegal correct <laughs> it's illegal to show kids porn and you know and also you know as far as people say well you know you 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 could have given the school district time or whatever well you have to understand like i know what happened and how it worked when you know i brought the video to their attention and um, also at the beginning towards the beginning of the school year i don't know if you remember we had some um media coverage at our high school about a teacher flying a BLM flag and um, some protests at our high school. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and actually I'm not even the one that um, shared the picture of the teacher's classroom and stuff, that, but it was shared on the Facebook group that I'm responsible for. Well, through that process, you know, I had a KISD employee put me on a mom to hate list and dox me on Twitter. Wow. And, and 12 other, there was 12 other moms on the list. Yeah. Which, you know, I'm still waiting to hear from the district about their investigation on that. So I'm sorry if my first inclination is not to run to the district to take care of something because, you know, I can just go by experience of what I've experienced and how they handle situations. So I, I honestly feel like if I would have just taken it straight to the district and not shared with my group, we wouldn't be sitting here today. Nobody would know, right? Right. You think the district was going to share that with the masses? 
No, absolutely no. not. And no. from my Facebook group, what happened is my friend shared it to her Twitter, and that's really when it went viral, you know. Well, and we're here talking about little, you know, Keller, Texas. <laughs> um, but this is happening on scales all over the country in schools. Yes, yeah. It's coming. It's like it's like people are coming out of the woodwork. You know, it's like, oh, wait a minute, that's there. Yeah, and the, and I think what happens is there's power in sharing this information because another parent in some other you know school district, where most of us want to think, oh, that would never happen in my district, right? You know, but you see that, and it gets the wheels turning, and you're like, oh, wait a minute, let me let me check. Like, I have a friend that reached out to me, very dear friend of mine, and I'm so proud of her. She reached out. She's like, hey, I started. They're in Northwest ISD. She's like, we have some of those books in our high school. Mm-hmm. You know? I reached out to the library and I started the process. I was like, well, that is awesome because that's basically what it takes. I think what what, what we've shown is there has to be parent involvement. Okay, so what does that look like? Okay, besides, I know emailing is, you know, communicating with the district. Okay, I get it. But what else? Um, You know, I've learned through this process, like right now, I'm participating in KISD has an awesome program, Community Ambassadors, okay? And we started in September, and you go once a month, and you learn about all the different areas of the district and all that the district has to offer. So, you know, it's like participating in things like that. There are um, curriculum committees. There are um, safety and health committees. And I know, you know, everybody, you hear the term committee, and you just want to, (laughs) like... Right, I'm, you know, but I'm just saying there are there there's so much, and you know, being in a district this large, there's a lot of opportunities. You know, I know KISD is a great school district, and you know, we you know we've had a few hiccups, and I and you know I do have faith that those will get taken care of. Um, I feel like do we need some um, new <laughs> blood, so to say, on our school board? Absolutely. I mean, so I I just would encourage parents that get involved where you can or just start, you know, having conversations even with your child about, hey, would you talk about history class? Mm-hmm. You know, would you, you know, learn anything new today? Like that, you know, just, just get involved where you can. I mean, we all, you know, have time limitations and all of that, but just start kind of um, paying attention, attend school board meetings, you know, like I, I was never one that, um, you know, did that before, but I, you just learn a lot. So that, that's what I would say. Will you be running for school board? Um, no, ma'am, I will not. <laughs> um, no, I get asked that all the time. Um, I, I, I will, you know, I'm not going to say never because I know in my life when I say never, the Lord has a special plan for me. Um, so I'm not going to say never. I'm just going to say no, not at this time. How about okay. that? <laughs> okay. Um, how many positions are up for re-election and when is the election? Okay, so this is so exciting. We have three positions up for re I mean, three positions up for elections. So we have three incumbents. Now, we won't know if they are all going to run again. Um, mm-hmm. Odds are, you know, they probably will. So uh, the election will be, take place uh, May of 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just really, really exciting opportunity for us. And um, I, I look forward to supporting 
you know, some awesome people. Like, you know, I have faith that we're going to have some great candidates step forward. And, um, you know, we just kind of have a new season. So I think it's time. Do you have any ideas of who you would like to see run? Um, gosh, we have a lot of awesome community members. Um, well, I have a dear friend that I've known for um, a long time. It's funny. It's like we're friends, but we, you know, we we don't really see each other or hang out kind of friends, you know, just we've known each other for many years. I've always held each other in great regard, you know, and, uh, and I'm really hoping to see her come out and, um, you know, I, from what I'm hearing, she plans on running. So I'm excited about that. Um, I'm trying to think there's, there's some other people in the works, you know, but yeah, so I, I have confidence that we're going to have some great candidates to pick from. Awesome. And the filing deadline is in December, isn't it? Um, actually, the filing deadline is February. I believe it is February, February 15th is the final days that you need to file. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So we'll see. Is there anything else that you would like to share while we're here? Um, I think I think I shared probably too much. <laughs> <laughs> probably, but what what fun is a podcast if you can't share too much? <laughs> right. Yeah. I would love to have you back on when it gets closer to the election. So that we can talk the, you know, nitty gritty on who's running and what the deal is and what's at stake. That sounds fun. I still laugh about us, like our first little outing meeting at the coffee shop, switching candidate signs. (laughs) You know, like here, you know, I think at the time you were helping uh, Steve um, run for uh, mayor, right? Yes. Yeah, and I'm here like, here, I'll, you know, I'll give you my Charles, Charles Raincliffe sign, and you gave me your Steve sign, and, you know, like, I'm still, like, laugh about that, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'd, I'd be happy to do that, so I plan on being pretty highly involved in that process, so. That's great. Yeah, I remember that. We worked with Steve's campaign. Um, Steve Panate ran yeah. for the mayor of Fort Worth. Uh, he did not win. He had no name recognition, but he got 10% of the vote, beating out a sitting city councilman, sorry, councilwoman. Yeah. And I'm very proud of that race that we ran. Um, and I hope to see more of Steve Panate in the future. We will yeah. see. Um, yeah. But yeah, well, thank you for being here, everybody. Um, I will be talking with you later in episode three. Looking forward to it. Thanks for listening. Please leave a rating wherever you download podcasts and be sure to subscribe so you never miss a future episode of the Defending Freedom podcast.